Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the SAP, the Sex Actually podcast. As always, it is your host, Dave Neal. Today, we have a fun episode. I know I say that every week, but this is a little bit different. We, uh, Tasha and I chat with um, our comedian friend of ours named Caroline Georges. She um, talks about her work as a stripper, and um, I get this is actually the first time I'm going to do a trigger warning. I'm new to the trigger warning game, but we do talk about a sexual assault in this episode. It's a very fascinating episode. Um, uh, Caroline's very fascinating. Fascinating. It was really interesting. We just didn't want to stop. It was a really good one. You're about to hear it. So I don't need to say much more about that. You're going to love our chat with Caroline. Go show, go show her some love after you listen. Let her know that um, you heard her over here. Um, check out her Instagram and all that. And um, also, if you want to check out uh, my YouTube, we've got all this new YouTube content. Link in the description here. Um, uh, we've got the first half of our road trip um, all the way across the country. Uh, vlog style. You can see the drone shots and all the cool stuff. Tasha, myself, and Boone in a Prius riding across the country. It's tons of fun. If you're new to us, I hope you guys enjoy. We've got 373 public episodes of debauchery, conversations with comedians, self-help experts, authors, all talking about relationships, love, the love languages, trying to be a happy person, trying to give back to our family, and trying to just coexist in a positive way. That's kind of what we're all about. We add some humor into that too. Um, not taking ourselves too seriously. And if you want to get on that next level like Rainer did, what's up Rainer from Austria? Hello Rainer from Austria. I said he was from Switzerland. Like we don't know the difference over here. I know Austria. I've been to, um, I've been to, um, uh, have I been, uh, I've been to Salzburg. There you go. Yeah. Where they filmed the, uh, I was going to say the Hills Have Eyes. That's not a Salzburg movie. <laughs> where they they filmed the uh what's the movie called the sound of music there you go the hills are alive they don't have eyes that's a different one nuclear disaster um anyway uh, thank you so much for rainer doesn't know what i'm talking about thank you so much rainer for joining the patreon it's our private service that helps us fund the podcast we've got some new members there so we appreciate you guys it's just an it's just uh the private ch- uh, room where i do solo episodes uh tasha and i do um road trip car cast episodes and then jonesy a past guest comes over and we do a monthly weird news episode so more content for you guys a little more personal this episode on the patreon i I get real personal i talk about some fun things going on in life that i just can't share with the public so if you want to go support that the um the uh Different price models are $5, $8, $12, or $50. So $50 gets you soap. That's what Rainer chose. Thank you so much for supporting us. Rainer's going to get a package of soap uh, so he can smell good. I'm sure the Austrians already smell good. I can't imagine a stinky Austrian. Although, isn't Schwarzenegger Austrian? Anyway... um, what, so where do I go from there? So if you liked, if you uh, if you like what we're doing and you want to be supportive, you can go over there. If you hate Patreon and you don't like what they do, you can um, ask me for my Venmo. <laughs> Otherwise, we appreciate you guys just being supportive. And if you don't want to be a part of the private membership community, there's free stuff you can do. You can you can just watch all the YouTube videos, thumbs up, leave comments, help the algorithm. You can share the podcast with your friends. You can uh, screen grab what you're listening to right now and post it on your Instagram tag at the dot sap. Um, been posting some clips on Instagram. If you want to see last week's um, clip, I've got th- I got a three camera setup now, so it's I've really upped the image quality. Thank you so much to the Patreon for helping out with that. We are we're able to get better image quality and all that stuff. This is sounding like a telethon. Didn't mean to make it long. Anyways, enjoy our chat with Caroline. Oh, thank God. 
Yeah, we need him on TikTok. <laughs> Let's get started right now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the SAP, the Sex Actually podcast. As always, it's your host, Dave Neal, with Tasha Cordy and Caroline Hello. Georges. Hi, welcome. thanks for having me. We welcome. are so happy to have you here. Uh, Caroline, we got to know you this year, started doing stand-up. I think you're one of the more interesting new comics out there because you're not just some dude talking about how hard it is to get laid. Mm. I think so. Let's jump right into it. Where, where, where are you from? I'm from Alaska originally. No. She, you wow. get, she gets more interesting. <laughs> I ask one question like that's more interesting than uh, from Alaska. Yeah, you know, it's it was a small town, like a fishing town and stuff, and it's Juneau, so it was, um, it was a trap. Like it was the only way out was by boat or by plane, and I grew up relatively, you know, underprivileged and stuff, so we really couldn't afford to get out that often. So it was like you were trapped there. And I grew up with big dreams of living in a big city and stuff. So I always wanted to live in L.A. because I grew up in Juneau, Alaska. Now, oh, yeah, you did. Were you in like a cabin or like what's the living conditions out um, there? You know, my dad had a place for a while that was a cabin with a tin roof and it rained a lot in Alaska and stuff. And so you would be like it was like it was the most miserable place to live. Because so loud. It was like, you know, those little like uh, those little rain like. Oh, yeah. Sticks. The little things. Yeah. The Native American. You know what Yeah. You know, like it makes those sounds, and it's like it was like that. It was just like, like all night, just like that, all over the room. No, but what Some about- people think that's so peaceful. Some people think that's uh, the most peaceful sound. Or Isn't torture. That funny? Like it's actually my dream to live in Alaska, where like <laughs> the only way you can leave is by plane or by boat. <laughs> Now, I think you're living, Carol, I think you've lived Tasha's secret life that she's wanted to live. Oh, really? So, so I want to know how you get from living in Juneau, Alaska to um, stripping to stand-up comedy. How do you get from one to the other? Um, to s- well, you know, because um, I didn't have, you know, financial backing from my family and that sort of thing. And so I, when I, you know, I started thinking about stripping when I was 16, you know, and it's like, hey, what's the plan? Like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to leave and stuff, you know? And, um, and so I kind of, and so I got the Carmen Electra stripper. Remember that strip, like the striptease, Carmen Electra striptease DVDs? No. <laughs> Carmen what, Electra, was it the workout no, videos? Yeah, there are workout videos. Of course Electra, I know. Yeah, the workout videos. Workout right. video, like stripper workout videos and stuff. And so I got a copy of one and I just started like, Learning the moves. Learning the moves. But, like, the moves really aren't, you know, being a stripper, it's not like, you know, the great audition. You know what I mean? Do you have the Carmen Electra dance moves to make it happen? You know, it's really not like that. You just kind of get on stage, and if you look okay naked, they'll hire you. You know what I mean? That's just like stand-up comedy. If you look okay naked. I was, like, rehearsing for two years for my big audition, you know? Boy, it's too bad they didn't have TikTok back then. You would have been, like, a viral sensation. Cause that's all. All TikTok. I was just telling, talking to Tasha about this. All TikTok is now is a bunch of teens learning how to do strip dancing moves. That's well, all it is. They're all having pop. a good time. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, well, I'm just saying there's a lot of like promiscuous dancing going it's on. It's not uh, Catholic. Anyway, I don't want to make it about Listen, TikTok. He, <laughs> <laughs> Caroline no. was Catholic, so I we're going to talk, we'll, we're gonna talk about, about that. Uh, but I think it's funny. Like I, I did dance my whole life. Started in ballet, oh. and then was like in all the dance that like my school offered and competitive stuff. And nice. like I love dancing so much. But I think that my parents always kind of were like. Like, like that's a little too, you know, because uh, moves are sexy. Like dancing is sexy when you're feeling yourself. It is sexy to other people who are watching. Well, and so, dancing started out as like 
a literally like a fertility like you know virgins would come out and dance to like seduce the young men and that sort of thing it was like dancing started out as like yeah, a like my ass came thing, in let's go boys you know and it still is in a lot of you know places you yeah know, it's, it's a it's a uh like a movement yeah. of worship a movement of prayer like sure. it's very primal dancing is yeah but i mean like i don't think if you're like 16 or 17 and you're dancing sens- sensually or sexually, I mean, I feel like it's a healthy way of learning about your body, learning about your sexuality, feeling sexy in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And, and self-expression. Supp- yeah, and self-expression and that sort of thing. And it's good for confidence too, you know? And so I, when, I mean, like cheer came out and stuff and it's like the, some of the moves that those girls do are really like, ooh, you know what I mean? They're wearing really small outfits and that sort of thing. But they're young girls and the only people that are going to be, you know, looking at those young girls in a bad way or pedophiles you know what I mean so it's like to everybody else it's pretty appropriate because everybody knows how to handle themselves it's just interesting like coming from my like southern small town where like I don't know there's a lot of like I find well and I'm sure you've seen this too like my mom like I wasn't I would not be allowed to wear this tank top like this is too small of straps. I wasn't oh, allowed to wear spaghetti straps. I wasn't allowed to wear shorts that were too um, short. My stomach wasn't Caroline, allowed to show. I'm even still, if it was I'm like paying the price of her mom inch. now. Not not to say no, I would I'm ever. I'm, I'm the one who tells her to be like, show off your belly. I'm the one who's like telling her like, come on, get out there. <laughs> like whenever you're looking to buy new clothes and you're going, she, she wanted to buy it. Like, look, my bra straps out. Oh my god, she it's wanted. Sin. She was getting. You're getting. She gets some clothes from Revolve, right? And so they. So she was like, do I want to pick out this outfit or this? One of the outfits was a full length denim <laughs> dress with big puffiness to it i still want that dress. denim a full and the, i didn't order it the, but, I want but then that the, the dress that she and she got this other dress that was a denim dress with a bow a denim bow right over here oh my God. and then the other option was this it's, i i have a very mormon sensibility yeah so the other we know what and then the other option was this like sparkling cocktail dress that shows off her legs and has a little v-cut nothing slight but like really sexy and i'm like i can't believe I the debate. <laughs> have to tell you which one of these to get. I was like, I'm not going to go out with you if you're looking like sister wives over here, <laughs> like show off. But yeah, you've got that imprint of your parents. You, you've got well, the imprint of society and your parents. It's, I think it's society. I don't think it's just my parents. I think that from a young age, girls are told like, you can't dress that way. It might upset the boys, you know, like, and so everything from dancing to the clothes we wear, it's all like, I don't know. I feel like society puts this thing on girls like, don't be too sexy oh you can't do those dance moves those dance moves are so sexy but it's like it's just movement and expression and and the way i dress i your response to the way i dress is not my responsibility you know yeah bring all the boys to the yard i say bring them there (laughs) now now we we were talking right before we went on air about uh you you grew up catholic i grew up catholic and there's no actually i didn't grow up catholic oh you became catholic i became catholic of my own volition uh when i was 17 and was Carmen Electra Catholic? Were you go, going full no, method? <laughs> I, I was just really, I mean, I've always kind of considered myself like a free thinker, like a true bohemian, that kind of thing. And so I just like do whatever feels right to me and that sort of thing. But like at the same time, like I, 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 I you know, I, I grew up also like, you know, I think like there's like this cliche that like, you know, if you grow up poor, you're really into witchcraft or something like that growing up. And so like at nine years old, I started practicing witchcraft. I never heard that cliche. (laughs) That's great. I love it. There's a, uh, well, somebody talks about it in comedy and that sort of thing. I really related to it. Somebody talked about growing poor and poor people like really like magic and that sort of thing. And so I actually really related to that. And I got really into like, you know, like, potions 
potions. Did you have a, did you have a cauldron? You know, like, you know, like I a big like, spoon, like Wiccan stuff. Like yeah, yeah. And so, but then I, I never but really w- witchcraft is a poor person's astrology. I mean, it's yeah. all. It's all. I mean, witchcraft, I've, I've, it, paganism, and astrology. It's, it's it's not all craziness. It's just different ways to kind of like want right because yeah. witchcraft. You're not you're not necessarily putting evil spells on people. Sure, but I think the attraction to Catholicism is that so much of Catholicism is based off of pagan rituals. Exactly. That were Christianized. Christmas. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, all the yeah, because the Christmas holiday falls right after the um the uh, uh the so- winter solstice, and then the Yule. Easter f- is this uh, uh uh spring the vernal equinox. <laughs> right. Just no, making sure. No, up. no. The it's yeah. built around the the yeah, sun. A pagan holiday. They basically of t- Yule. they basically the early uh, cr- Christianity kind of took over a lot of the pagan rituals. Yeah, exactly. So because basically they were like, okay, we need people to get on board with our thing, so let's make sure our holidays coincide with their holidays. Which is why I never I never care to bash religions because they all kind of whittle down to people kind of looking for the same thing and that's like the unity and the spiritualism and then some religions take it to different places but when you can sort of boil it all down you know pagans but you know obviously so I guess that was kind of my attraction to Catholicism I just thought it was really magical you know and it was really like ritualistic and it sort of kind of made me like reminded me of of witchcraft and Wiccanism and interesting I never made that that comparison well because you I really always thought too just because I like like I love historical fiction books I like watching mm-hmm. like Harry historical Potter, movies Gothic. yeah Harry, whatever um but I always thought of Catholic like going to mass like that it's in a cathedral that they have the incense that it's stained glass windows yeah. that it's beautiful right sure the first time I ever went to a Catholic church I was so disappointed because <laughs> it wasn't those things well my stepdad's right? Catholic church is just like this roadside place they built oh. and it's nice but it's like there's like green carpeting and it's it, it's not that it doesn't have I need all to, the food I need to take you to the abbey sure. we have we have the abbey in town which I'm from where I think Sean Spicer went to that school he went to Portsmouth Abbey you know Sean Spicer he was the what yeah, was we he know. you know worked for Trump and everything oh, and, Sure. But he's a hardcore Catholic and Trump never let him meet the Pope, which is why I always felt bad for Sean Spicer. When he had his chance to meet the Pope, Trump wouldn't let him. And I was like, man, that's really fucked up. That's, like, would that, blow that's it. like that guy's Michael Jordan. Falling all over himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but he went to the Abbey, Idiot. which is um, a really Catholic private school in my hometown where they have like, you, you, you break out in hives after mass because of all the incense and everything. And there's always like 12 monks p- praying in the back. I mean, it's like, it's like some, it's, that's, that's what you think of when you think of like old Roman Catholic or whatever. But I'm sure in, in June, know you probably didn't have many options for different types no, of churches there was like you know there was like the 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 catholic church was the one that was the least wacky of all the churches in my hometown they were all like you know evangelical you know crazy like and i remember going to a service once with a friend and i was really turned off by it because this woman started like i don't know like convulsing and like started like having like you know she was like feeling the spirit or whatever and she fell on the ground and she started like convulsing on the ground and then her shirt like started coming up and then she stopped convulsing and pulled her shirt. <laughs> and I remember being like, well, she's then that's faking. not real. Yeah, yeah. She's faking. She's got the she's, coronavirus. Like, what is her deal? Like, why? Like, you're not feeling the spirit. Like, if you're aware of your like your stomach being exposed and stuff, she was just sort of going crazy. Well, they've done stuff. a lot of research. I'm sorry to cut you off. Not uh, at all. No, they've done a lot of research uh, over why, like when they when they like say like the power of Christ compels you and they push people down. You you have this 
uh, feeling in the group think that you don't want to mess up, so you sure. so you will go down, and they'll or they'll find somebody before the church where they've got someone like on a walker, right, who can like walk but not moving much, and they'll mm-hmm. say, "Hey, we'll get you a wheelchair, no big deal. Put you in a wheelchair, we'll bring you to the front, and then the, and then the priest knows, or not the this they don't even, these aren't priests, right? The minister or whoever, uh, the deacon or whatever, they know to go. I feel like I can get you to walk, blah blah blah, and they can stand up here, and they bring out, and then they start walking. It's like, yeah, they walked in, but then oh. that person's like, ah, he doesn't know that the he doesn't know that the priest is part of the manipulation so he goes oh i don't want to mess up the what what everyone thinks and then it becomes like this crazy like i can make people think a certain way and that's the power of wanting to belong into like a system like how, sure. did you did you feel like a lot like a lot of community in the catholic church or what were you seeking aside from something that that looked cool like witchcraft like what were you seeking that that actually got you into the catholic church and what got you out of it well i guess um well, what got me out of it, I guess, is because, you know, at the same time, like, it's just, I, I want to have kids one day. And then it was like, I don't want to raise my kids in the Catholic Church because I think that's a dangerous environment for children. And so it's like, so I kind of realized, like, oh, like, if I can't raise my kid in an institution where they won't be safe, then how can I really be of this religion? Right. You know? And so, um, so I guess that's why. So I, I just consider myself non dominational you know, like Christian and stuff, but like, it's just, yeah, like, I guess the Catholic thing was just sort of my introduction into Christianity and stuff that was like, and it was the best option for me yeah, at the ca- time. Catholicism is Christian light. It's like yeah. people, it's not a heavy religion. For, it's like you go, you do your confessions. A lot of people just go on Easter or Christmas. Yeah, it's, not, it's very, it's it's like ca- Catholics are like the Christian, like, it's like, you know how like, like a lot of Jewish people, like they're like, there's a lot of Jewish atheists, like and stuff. Right. There's a lot of like, you know, holiday Catholics. You exactly. Know I mean? You grow of, up, it's built yeah. into your, like my hometown was all Catholics. There's yeah, all it's what New England. It's all Catholic. It's all it is. They'll pay homage to like you know the the ideas of the, of things, but like they won't really believe in it. You know. Now, so aside from your entrepreneurial reasons for wanting to get into stripping yeah. as a way out, what was there must have been sort of an alert to the performance of it. I think I I saw Striptease with Demi Moore. Another good one. I know. Great movie. Great film. Have uh, you seen the new one? The new uh, J Lo one. Oh, Hustlers. That's a good one. Oh, I, 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 I was so emotional during that movie. I cried like several times during that movie. And why is that? It's just very relatable to me in my experience. Like there's, I, I mean, I, I never drugged anybody, you know, but at the same time, like I, I have seen girls put like Xanax in, into drinks and stuff like that. What? Yeah. And so, it, you know, and, and, and I mean, it's, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, most strippers are like, honorable totally nice women you know what i mean kind of similar backgrounds to me but there are some women that are just really desperate for money and they'll do whatever it takes to get it and so they'll put xanax to get the guy because that's a whole basis kind of of of, uh, j-lo's movie hustlers is that they drug drug the guys to get them to do dances all night rack up their cards and then the guys don't want to like press charges after because they kind of embarrassed well there was an uproar at the club that i worked at because after hustlers came out they got rid of credit card tips so that was oh, no. like, I know. So that was like a big chunk of our income. You know what I mean? Because if we got a VIP and the VIP is, you know, $600 for a half an hour, you could ask for like a $300 tip, like a 50% tip. And then guys, if they're in a good mood, if they're feeling good and that sort of thing, they'll do it. You know what I mean? If they have the money and they have the, you know, they're these guys with, you know, disposable incomes of millions of dollars yeah. come into the club, you get lucky and you can get actually really generous tips very easily. And so, but without the credit card tips, you don't have that option anymore. So you're just, and then, um, 
And so, so it's just like what they have in cash. Yeah, exactly. We were just like, we have to go to the ATM. You have to, it's like, it, it was so much more convincing and stuff. And it was because hustlers came out and because managers saw it and were like, oh, like this is what can happen. You know, that's too bad because the tips are going directly to you. You, yeah. you don't give them a cut. Like how, do, how does that work? The strip club gets a cut of the money that you make. I mean, I've worked at clubs where it's like you've ha- you have to pay out every person on staff a dollar a dance. So if you do 20 dances, you have to pay out $20 to every person on staff. The waitresses, the doormen, the bouncers, the like the the DJ and the managers. Wow. So it's like so at the end of the day those tips really matter because yeah. that sometimes your tips are just paying for your your payout to everybody. I was trying to explain our tipping culture to some Australians yesterday and I was like, "Look, we don't know. I still have to Google before I get my haircut what I want to need to tip yeah. or this or that." So it, it's insane when you have to tip out other people, when you have to tip out in just a restaurant a busboy, but in your case there's a DJ, there's the bouncers and it's like the DJ, the bouncers like you've got to grease their palms. I think we've had Julian Fernandez, uh, he's a he's been a guest of the podcast he used to be a uh, like a strip a strip club um, uh, bouncer and like yeah. certain strippers would tip them more or whatever. It must be very difficult to end the night and then you just know who you got to dole out money to. Well, I mean, if you tip out more than it's like some guy comes in and it's like, hey, like who's a good girl to dance with here? You know what I mean? They'll be like, oh, well, this girl because and they'll men- recommend the girl. That yeah, it's like more. you take care of them. Yeah, they'll take care it's like of the you. hostess yeah. giving the giving the waitress like the good the good customers versus like it. This isn't so what's it. So what's a typical night like? What time do you show up and what time you leave there? And um, I show up around 10 or 11. You know, because it's like any time before that is just like you, slow, yeah, slow and stuff. And I just want to save my energy for when it's busy, which is like midnight. What yeah, time? like uh, well, the thing is, is that most strip clubs don't allow them to serve alcohol, which mm-hmm. is a problem. You know, because like guys, that's definitely a part of it. Guys want to booze and they want to, you know, be around naked women. You know what I mean? So they, a lot of guys, it happens every night of multiple times a night where people will come in and be like, "There's no alcohol here," and so a lot of girls. Because and now sorry to interrupt, but is it is it like so? If I, I've only been to a strip club in Canada, really? and I, their rules are way more liberal. Yeah. But you can go if you're if it's a full nude strip club, you can't serve alcohol. If if it's partial nudity, you can serve alcohol. Yeah. Is that how normally how it works? Pretty much. And is the idea just because you don't want the men to get like uh, too drunk and? I guess, but at the same time, now the issue is guys come in at two in the morning drunk. And then there's really no, not much business to speak of. Yeah, just serve them some like some Bud Lights. No one's gonna get waste off of Bud Lights. Give them something to, you know. Well, (laughs) what I'm saying, it's not like it's some hard Jack and Coke or whatever. What happens is a lot of girls will bring in a flask, and it's a really good way of getting tipped, you know. And it's like, take me to the back, and I'll give you a shot, you know. And so guys are like, oh yeah, exactly. Interesting. So it's a good way of getting dances. It's a good way of getting tipped. I mean, you're putting yourself at risk and stuff. But at the same time, the club at risk how like with the law. Yeah, if it's like a cop or something like that which i i mean every time a cop has ever come into the club as far as i know i've always been told by a bouncer by a manager by somebody that it's a cop okay so i don't really know what why they know it's a cop if the cop discloses to them that they're a cop maybe it's with their checking ids or whatever maybe checking ids well you know stormy daniels had this issue in ohio where Which, she got arrested do you remember this she got arrested and for what touching a patron who they, ended up being a cop they they planned a raid and so it wasn't just stormy daniels a lot of women got arrested that night and and they, was, they ended up suing them right and i think that i think the state 
had to pay had to pay the strippers a lot of money. Really, I hope so. Yeah, I'll look into it, but I'm pretty sure uh, Stormy Daniels won because it was like everyone was like, we we can clearly see how you're trying to silence somebody who like spoke out against Trump. Right. Like, it was a very clear. Yeah. This isn't a coincidence yeah. of what happened. You don't remember no. this? No, yeah, I, I don't. Because raids like that like never happen. And I'm I sure mean, what happened is someone from up above made a phone call and said, "Stormy Daniels is gonna be in town. Just fucking." figure out figure it out the only raid i've ever heard of happening in la was at like spearmint rhino like five years ago like us but and as, what are they looking for um you're well you're not supposed to touch the dancers and so if you like let somebody touch you that's like prostitution you know or something like that so, so the dancers even, like grind. a lap dance like huh? a no contact lap yeah, dance or like, hands only legally like clients aren't supposed to touch you i uh, mean that law is an honor you can obviously. touch them though um, or, yeah, of course. Okay. Like, I mean, like, it's like, cause you're touching somebody with clothes on and stuff, but like, if they touch you, like it's prostitution or for some reason. So you can't take their hands and go, woo, like, yeah, like they so, do in the movies. So basically like what Stormy Daniels was doing was she was letting guys touch her while she was on stage and while she was dancing. Motorboat you know? and her and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that was prostitution. Oh my so God. So they arrested her for prostitution. Talk about these, talk and, about these puritan laws and everything well we have. i know really... and it's like if donald trump was behind it what a hypocrite because he literally paid her for sex yeah and he never got arrested for solicitation and i guess yeah, i should say allegedly but we obviously know i mean in today's society i think our generation's more transparent you don't just think that the ohio police decided a sting raid and oh stormy daniels was in town and oh this was months after she was going to do a tell-all you know what i mean like sure. it's 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 obvious what happened but yeah i'll have to double check and put that in the uh, the uh, post show notes at the end but i'm pretty sure i guess i could just google it but i'm pretty sure she, they they won they won out I and um so. all the charges were dropped and all that so so anyway so you wait so so i'm sorry i sidetracked there so you you know people they show up wasted or whatever and you start yeah. making your money what's the what's the window where you're i mean what do you do before people show up because in the movies it's always like all right cinnamon your turn to go out there and it's like one <laughs> one dude in the front and there's just like you got to dance anyway like what what's when when are you on stage versus like making your rounds trying to get the private dances because it's the private dances where you make all the money. Um, when you're in a lineup, when you're on stage and that sort of thing, like they they check you in once you, cu- you come in, and then they like you're on the lineup, and that's where you usually stay in the rotation. So it's so. just like comedy then, where you're like you don't want to go first. You're like oh, you don't get you want the sweet spot. Well, I mean, if guys are at the stage and they're tipping, then then you definitely want to go on. I mean, it's a good opportunity to get to, you know to get tipped and get get money. But at the same time, like sometimes people will come in and they'll tip like you know two bucks at the stage and that sort of thing and you're just like is it like i would rather just not take my clothes off and let them keep the two dollars you know what i mean like it's like two dollars isn't worth like you know getting dressed and undressed and does the dj know (laughs) do you've got like a playlist for the dj like so you know what you're about to dance to like a file for you and stuff so you just like i want these songs and like play this song and this song they go together and stuff so like um right now like i'm dancing to um this song called freak by like some like some rap group but i forget what they're called and then i dance to um devil in a new dress by kanye west and stuff and that usually gets tips and people and are they like sort of choreographed or is it just like whatever you want to you know the thing is is that i'm not terribly good on stage like i've never been like I, i don't really do pole tricks that much i don't really like you know it's just like it's really about getting up there showing your personality and stuff and just like smiling and making eye contact but you're also you're very you're very beautiful you must be these guys 
guys must, you know, you must just, I feel like they're going on stage is like your chance to be like, all right, boys, here I am. And now yeah, when you make exactly. your rounds, like, oh, that's the, that's the girl I like. It's a chance to model. It's a chance to like show off your body and stuff. Like, Do you ever get like cramps in your foot on stage? I would just be the one who gets a cramp and I'm like, ah! Um, actually, uh, the... The Pleasures is the stripper shoe brand. Their sh- their heels are so comfortable. You can stand in them all night. You know, they actually sponsor the podcast. Yeah. So for 20% really? off. No, Pleasures yeah. is the name of the stripper shoe brand. Yeah. Boy, the free market economy will just, that's amazing. I had these one pair of white. They were like, not, not they were just like pumps. They were like stiletto yeah. pumps. Um that were super high heels when yeah. I was in college and I totally got them from one of those like stripper shoe oh, places. Horse stores? I don't know yeah. what the uh, horse stores. I what the brand the horse was. Stores. So yeah. so um what what's in the shoes that makes them stripper friendly? I don't know. They're just padded really nice. They're just like the the slant is 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 really like you know suits your foot really well and stuff and just um I don't know. Like sometimes I'll go to Nordstrom and try on shoes and that sort of thing. And it's just like how, cause I'm so used to these comfortable stripper heels and stuff. And it's like, how do women do it? Like how do women walk in these? Now, now the worst yeah. part about, I, I, I have to imagine there's a lot of g- good things about stripping. I would, I would only think that the worst thing uh, other than there might be danger. Like, I don't know. Do you have to get walked to your car after? Is there just weird dudes hanging out? I mean, I, um, this one guy got the wrong idea and like he thought like he spent a lot of money and you think he thought that like that automatically meant I was going to go home with him and he was super drunk and you what's know, a lot of money what do we like $700 I think it was like $700 $800 it was a lot and um, I think he was he was on drugs and like he I think kept like forgetting what I was saying a lot and stuff like that he was super out of it and so after the shift, after I had already cashed out and stuff like that, I was like, I went to this like gas station near where like just to get like a like a protein bar or something. And he like followed me. Yikes. And then so I had to go to the guy working at the gas station. I was like, can I go hide in the back? This guy is following me. And so I ran into the back and then the guy was just like, you're not skipping out on me, are you? And it's like, dude, like you're chasing me. Of course I'm skipping out on you. Boy. Like I'm trying to escape you. Like you're trying to murder me. Trying to escape like, you. Know, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> If a girl ever tells you she's trying to escape you, maybe take it. I know. It's like, what do you like? What do you think this is? Like, and it, it was just, you know, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of just really like guys on on horrible benders, you know, losing all sense of self awareness and that sort of thing. And they're just, I mean, because it must be pretty safe within the strip club, right? Their bouncers are there to make sure that everyone's protected. Well, you know, you'd be really surprised. Um, I there's a system in place. Uh, that just really doesn't protect women very much. And um, unfortunately, strippers get sexually assaulted a lot. And, um, you know, one of the reasons why I, I became so outspoken about being a stripper, because for years I was so private about it. Like I would have, I had relationships with men, long-term relationships, and these guys had no idea I was a dancer. No idea. You know, and how do you it, pull that off? Uh, you just say you're a nanny. You just lie, lie, lie. And then also, like, I, I mean, I think like I had like part time jobs at like coffee shops and that sort of thing. And I just kind of said that that was what was supporting me or something. Nanny's a good. That's a good. I never yeah. thought that's a good one. You'd be like, oh, the kids were playing with sparkles today. <laughs> you're covered in glitter and smell like yeah. Axe body spray. <laughs> but what really inspired me to become open about it was the Me Too movement because it's just like destigmatize it yeah, yeah exactly because it's just like the the me too movement didn't go near the porn industry it didn't go near strip clubs it didn't go near you know prostitution it didn't go near sex work and do you think part and of that is because because people are saying well you you chose to work in that industry is um, that part of it well you know i mean it's 
the thing is, is that like people don't respect it as a job and as a profession and as something like, you know, that it attracts, you know, like an audience, you know, and in people and, um, you know, and then also like people don't respect the need for it, you know, because there's a lot of like lonely men out there who, you know, don't have time for a girlfriend and maybe seeking company from a prostitute might not actually be that bad of a idea for them at yeah. the time, you know, and or if there's, you know, a, you know, strippers, you know, like there's I mean, a, a lot of the times I've noticed like, like students, like guys that like people that just moved to L.A., like people that just started a new job, people that just came here for school, like they'll come to strip clubs and I'll have like these little like mini regulars that'll come in for a few months just because they're just like getting acclimated. Yeah. They're making, they want to make friends. They're they wanna, lonely. Mm -hmm. They just so need to make, they just need company and stuff. And then after a few months, they'll make friends, they'll get acclimated and they'll, they'll stop coming, you know? Yeah. And so it's, um, so you, you deal with all sorts of things, you know, with all, but like, it's just, but there is a lot of stigma attached. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I mean, I mean, porn, especially it's just like everybody watches porn, you know, and it's just like these women, you know, are actually providing a pretty huge service to people. And if you think about it that yeah. way, you know, they're, they're, they're having sex and, you know, performing, you know, acting out these fantasies that like most of us can't even imagine and would never act on our own for mm -hmm. us to watch and enjoy. And these women are just like the scum of the earth. You know, they they really are just the most disrespected group of people. And it makes for a, da a dangerous situation. You're right. There's shady managers and shady club managers and yeah. whatever. And, you know, it, it's hard when you don't when there's that stigma in our society and and strippers and porn stars, they don't have this sort of protection. Sex workers, no. they don't have protections. No, that it's also wild that people, and again, it, we just live in a place that's just coming to terms with how sexually sort of uh, uh, puritanical we are. I mean, like, yeah. you know, when you go to Europe or Canada, you just see normal people that will that'll be strippers. And, you know, yeah. it's not a, it's not like looked down on some crazy, they don't have to lie about what they do. Now, what now, I mean, what, did boyfriends catch on? Did they start to question you or, you know? Um, one guy figured it out because I asked him to do my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and He's then, like, what's leopard print? I know. And then, so what's, I, what's the name of the shoe company? What's that? <laughs> pleasures. What, what's this deductible at pleasures? <laughs> yeah. So he did my taxes and then he was just like, I know. I know I, I found you figured it out and then I was like oh, well, real, real uh, so detective was, over there yeah so, <laughs> but then um I started working at this new club and he was like I want to give you your stripper name and I was like okay well what do you want it to be and he was Lauren and it was just like yeah Lauren's not a stripper name you that's know like when I'm you like, name a dog a human name you go that's not a dog name I know it's <laughs> not, not a stripper name it's not a stripper name <laughs> what uh <laughs> Lauren welcome to the stage because there's always like I feel like the stereotypical stripper names is always like cinnamon or like um some candy or it's always some like spicy thing I don't my know. name is peaches peaches yeah. oh there you go there you go peaches. fruit nice yeah. can't can't not can peaches just peaches just peaches just peaches straight up fresh yeah. peaches there you I go I always wanted that to be my stage name for some reason like whenever I go to a club to like it, like this is always taken so it's just, like, <laughs> i started at this club i was like is peaches available and they were like yes and that's like when you like a football player when you when you get traded to a new team sometimes your number's not available so you gotta yeah. like sometimes football players will be known to like buy it i got a rolex if like you're a high-end player that gets traded to a team and then they'll like you know swap numbers so i wonder if there's any anything can be bought if you go to a new strip club and there isn't a peaches just you know offer them some of those pleasure boots or whatever they're called sure. um <laughs> pleasure so, so uh <laughs> Now, now that you, now that you're doing stand-up comedy and you're, you're talking more, which I, I think is so great that, that you're, uh, 
be, you know, able to bring your kind of stories from being a stripper into stand up. I think that's awesome to normalize. Yeah. And I think it's also going to shoot you like straight up to the top when, when, as you kind of like work out uh, all the different kind of, I'm sure there's so much that you haven't even, you know, mined for stand up comedy as far as like the story. You're going to have just a like, year's worth of stories and everything, yeah. which I'm sure. But my, uh, my question was like, are guys okay when they know up front that you're a stripper are there guys that say oh it's fine and then afterwards they become needy because i feel like it's it's one thing to like say oh yeah i could date a stripper it's another thing to actually like live that life of wondering that there's guys that they're dancing with and this and that well you know i i don't know just some guys are kind of okay with it like i don't know how to describe it but like on my my the last guy i dated my ex he he sort of had this interesting situation where he was like a side piece in a real, in a long-term relationship for like two years. So his, like this girl he was seeing for two years was in a relationship and just an open relationship. And she just, and so I don't know, I guess it was just like his boundaries were weird. You know what I mean? Or just like his, his perspective and like his, you know, but guys that are jealous, guys that are territorial shouldn't date strippers, you know, yeah. cause it's like, it's like you it's a personality to. type. Some couples like to yeah. do swaps, you know. Some people sure. like uh, some people like that. Other people aren't into it. I think there's probably yeah. a type. Yeah, I'll have to sure. say this, uh, not to speak for Tasha, but this might be the most interesting thirty minutes that we've had on the podcast, right? I think this is a pretty interesting chat. And I know Tasha. I, th- I think there's a world where you would you would enjoy the expressing your sexual side of things but i also think you would get annoyed at like because for me when you think when i think of like a strip club i think of me at a strip club and it's like oh come on i'm not like a dirty guy or whatever i mean you know i'm not like but then if you think of some like slob who just ate chicken wings and he's got greasy hair (laughs) and he and you show up with the elastic waist pant sweatpants so your boner can hit just right that's what guys do. guys Probably do that right pants, sweatpants are not allowed in the club oh they are oh yeah. do guys do that because we used to, when we were in college in the fraternity you would you would get a stripper as part of like a rush event yeah. and that, you know the duke duke lacrosse were big because they had the stripper um who showed up and accused them of rape and that was the whole thing and then they ended up suing rolling stones and got 50 million dollars you, you know the story uh-huh. it, was, oh, it was huge back in the day where everyone just these 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 duke lacrosse players were villainized and yeah they had a stripper but they didn't rape anyone and how do you know you they, weren't there? Eight ATM receipts. They, they, it was a gigantic story. It was told. It was complete fabrication. It was completely not true. And each one of the lacrosse players ended up get, making 50, getting fifty million dollars from the DA. The DA was fired. It was a whole. It was a whole. It was a crazy story. Documentaries on it. But anyway, what was the point? So, so we used used to used to get a strip and it, but you get a stripper in the catalog it would show up with the bouncer maybe two strippers and a bouncer you you would you would have an event at your house and it would but those those uh, situations were very different than like the stripping culture i feel like that's actually in a club like those weren't like real strippers those were like just people that were like uh trying to make a few extra bucks at a bachelor party right like have you ever done like bachelor parties or do you just strictly do the strip clubs uh just strip clubs i mean i think bachelor parties i've I've heard of those and stuff, but like, I, I don't know. Like I, I know that like there's this girl that she like Bill Maher would throw parties and stuff and would like, and so she would work at Bill Maher's house sometimes as a stripper and stuff. But like, other than that, like I haven't heard much That's about gotta be kind of, it can be shady if it's yeah. you're showing up to some cabins. Like we had, we had one at a bachelor party in a cabin and Ooh. we were just straight laced guys. It was like seven or eight guys. You know, my buddy, uh, I shouldn't say sure. his name, my buddy's bachelor party. The funny part was my job was to order the pizza. We were two hours in the middle of Maine in the woods. The pizza wouldn't deliver. The batch, the, ba- the strippers showed up from Boston. So like, it just goes to show if you, 
you spend money, people show up. But but yeah, so like the the, the point of what I was saying is they, they used to say like as a joke, like wear wear sweatpants. That way it's like it's like it's like if you're grinding with somebody with jeans on, it's not gonna feel good. So so it must be but it must be gross if like a dude shows up in sweatpants and he's and you're kinda like he's got he's probably got a boner or whatever. He's I mean, do you do you not even think of this or am I just a weird person um, who thinks about stuff like you this? You know, it's just, you just kinda have to like you know, it's your boundaries and that sort of thing. So it's like you can dance standing up, you know, you can like, there's ways to avoid it and stuff like that. But like sometimes like you're like, oh, like what's that? And then you're just like, it's gross and stuff. But um, well, what's the percentage of times where you're enjoying, you know, you're having fun, the music's good versus when you're like, oh my gosh, I do not want to be here. You know, when the money is good, I'm generally having a good time, you know, and, and I'm and I'm happy and I feel like I'm taken care of and I'm happy to provide a good time and, you know, and that sort of thing. And so. So when the money is good, that's when the club is good. And that's when I like being there. But sometimes when the money is shitty and the guys are shitty and stuff and it, it you just like it it's really can be soul sucking. Like, you know, yeah, money I'm talks sure. like I've done some shit jobs where I'm like working in the trenches of shit, cleaning out old homes or painting and covered in shit. But I know I'm making money and I'm yeah. the music's playing. I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm making cash today. And then there's other times when like life's not too bad, but you're just not making much money. And you're like, Ugh, how fuck, do your I dollar mean, bills <laughs> makes almost anything possible? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you're, wait, you're having a bad shift as a waitress and then someone slides you some extra money. And like, I just I literally just got a spring in my step. I'm feeling better. Yeah. So so like, what's the average take home that people that that uh, people are making that strippers are making? I out mean, there? it could be from anything. Yesterday was like a Friday night. I did two dances, so that's like, you know, forty dollars. And then I did, made like fifty dollars on stage, and so it was like, yeah, like literally less than a hundred. Oh, but it was a, it was a slow night, and then also it is tax season and stuff, and so that's something you kind of have to prepare for, like for like January and February and part of March, like just nobody really comes in. Yeah, it's right after a holiday. Oh, after a holiday, after the holiday and stuff. Wow. Now some people, some people will travel to like the Republican National Convention. Are there? Do you look at your calendar and go, oh boy, the uh, the Rams have a home game. We're gonna have a little bit more business. Is that something that even happens? No, no. I um, no, I don't really. No, I don't really. I guess LA is such like a that. big, big city that you're not. The DJ you, and the managers usually keep up with that. So if it's really slow, I'll go and ask, like, "What do you? Is there? Why is it slow? Like, why is it so slow?" And it's like, "Oh, well, there, you know, there's that convention that's happening in downtown, so everyone's over there, you know, interesting, or something like that." So that's so. What of, time did you get home last night? Uh, five in the morning. Wow! Oh, and, you, and we got Whoa. you here early. I know. I'm gonna. I'm. I live really close, so I'm just gonna go home and take a nap. And then oh, I have, well, thank I have you that. so much oh, yeah, for. Of course, coming. no, I wouldn't miss this. This was so fun. Yeah, you'll, we'll have to have you back a bunch because I'm sure we've got some great stories. But <laughs> now, so what's? What, I've always compared these, and again, I'm being a little ignorant here because I don't know the strip world, but the the world of strip versus stand up. I mean, stand up is the least respected art form, and stripping is another thing that people don't really they look down on you upon yeah. you know it's just it's just interesting because they're both you know nighttime things like you do you have to decide like if you get a stand-up gig do you have to do you have to decide not to do stripping that night or how loose uh, are they with with your schedule Can well you tonight have- i have that show at the improv the story smash thing and it's 7 30 to like 8 39 i could just go to the club right after oh that's int- i had yeah, anything about so that it's like so if it's you know and as long as i'm at work before midnight they'll still let me work so it actually really it it kind of works out i just have to be very nocturnal 
which is, you know, hard for me because I, I have, I, I just, I always wake up early for some reason. It's like in falling back asleep. I'm, I'm not a good sleeper. Well, but. you know, what's interesting is like coming from Alaska where you did now in Alaska, you've got like that midnight summer or whatever it's called. What's it called? Don't oh, you have solstice? like, what doesn't it like not the sun not go down in the summer? Yeah. There's like three days to a week where it's light out. Wow. For the whole night. Yeah. Wow. That's people, so wild. Yeah. That's a good time to visit because like people go hiking at like three in the morning. People go camping and stuff like people really like taking advantage of the outdoors and then the opposite in the winter where it's just like dark all the time so it's like and then also you like i it was like that when i was in school so like you would go to school and then it would be dark and it would get light around 11 and then it would get dark again around four so it's like you and you were in school, like locked in school all day. So like you would literally arrive not in the see dark, any, leave in the dark. Yeah, like, yeah. You would just That's not tough. see the light That's of miserable. day. Now, now, what what made you think you could do stand up, and when did you think you were funny? Well, I dated a comic for a minute, and he is the guy uh, that I know. Huh? Is the is the guy that I know that you dated that does stand up? No, no. Okay. This was a long time ago. Okay. And, um, and he ended up being like just an insane asshole. Like I, it was so shocking because he was like one of those male feminists and, you know, so he was like, I love women. I totally respect women, women's rights, women's issues, you know? And that was like his, his schmooze, you know? And then, um, and then he ended up being like, like a serious asshole. How so? Okay. So he had like a dating podcast and so it was like, our first date basically like we had met earlier that day for lunch and then we wanted to meet up and go see a movie. And so I couldn't find my keys. So I just invited him over to my place to just, you know, yeah. Like hang out there. Yeah, exactly. And so we were like, I made him coffee. We were hanging out and talking. And then I got up to put the coffee cups into the sink and I turn around and he's standing like right there. And then he just flies at me with his mouth open. And it's like, I have, PTSD due to sexual assaults you know what I mean and so it's like a guy flying at me with his mouth open is just not when you're like cornered in the kitchen yeah exactly it was just not it was just he was people said that like he was probably just nervous and he was trying to make a move and didn't know how and stuff and and it was just like but still it was just yeah read the room maybe I know exactly and so I so I and then he got here's here's his response wasn't to like apologize be like I'm sorry I scared you his response was like um I'm going to go. And that's immediately like, that's when the switch went off and he was an asshole. Yeah. And then he was like telling me to listen to his dating podcast. And so we were planning on going out again at that point. Still, I just thought like, you know, his mistake and it's, he deserves a second chance, benefit of a doubt. So we were planning on going out again. And then he told me to listen to his podcast. And then the podcast was like, let me tell you about this crazy bitch. (gasps) Like, she's so fucking weird. Like, it was just the meanest shit. So, but it was like, it was weird. Like, it was, I wasn't doing anything, obviously. He was just saying all of the things that I did in like a really annoyed, like, questioning way. Like, and then she made me coffee. Like, what? Like, she made me coffee. Isn't that weird? She and you're listening, to, you're listening yeah. to putting the piece together. Like, he's definitely talking shit about me right now. Yeah, exactly. And like, well, and just in general, like, I find it a huge turnoff when people talk about other people in general. Like, I can't stand a gossipy girl. Yeah. I can't stand a guy who's like talk, trash talking about it. I well, I can't be hypocritical. I can't be hypocritical, Tasha. We, I talk a lot of trash in this podcast. <laughs> if he doesn't say her name, you can talk, you can talk trash. Sure. It's just, 
it's he just didn't say my he didn't name. blast you, but you obviously are like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, I think yeah. there's a difference between talking about something that's like questioning than talking about a way that's like pointed. I should I should hold a course on how men can deal with being rejected because and I and I just this is my I'm gonna plug sure. the Patreon, patreon.com slash the sap. I just did a solo episode talking about how to handle not just rejection, but your reaction to things that happen to you. So many men just want to run away. I'm taking the ball home because they don't get picked on the team. Or, and it's like, or their like gut response is defensiveness. Yeah. And it's and really hard defensive. to overcome that, but it's, you know, it just takes some mindfulness and some practice to learn like, oh, okay, I'm going to step out of my own sort of like, it's like a, almost like a, fight or flight kind of response yeah. it's like very primal well it's like, harder than i mean it, we should give it i mean it's it's weighted it's hard it's it's your identity it's like it's like uh it's, it's like the a, ego it's like if you have a bad stand-up set and it's like this fucking it's like you can you 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 only have there's things i don't care if you cut me off in traffic i don't care if you do certain things but if you are denting this thing that i've created this armor then i'm gonna lash out at you so i, I can, while i can understand it and empathize with it it's just important for people to realize like you don't oh him anything yeah and, and yet and yet he was like he didn't have the emotional um strength to understand no. oh i fucked up okay let me yeah. just take a step back and then like recalibrate it the game's not over well the thing with i've learned about comedians and is that c- comedians build a sense of humor around their ego you know and so it's like to, as a defense mechanism you know, because it's like a lot of people develop their sense of humor that way. And a lot of comics develop their sense of humor that way. So this guy, like he kind of he had this ego that he was hiding behind feminism, that he was hiding behind comedy, that he was hiding behind woke comedy and stuff. And then but when you penetrated his ego, it's just like then the humor, you know, the dark humor kind of came out, you know, you're very I mean? defend, right. You're very right. To defend his ego, you know, and that was how he defended his ego and that rejection was by making jokes about it and by trash talking. But that's why and we, so, oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, not at all. And so, um, then after that happened, I was just like, I don't know, like if this dumb idiot can pay his rent doing comedy, then I can, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that was sort of how I got started. Yeah, getting started in stand up is like getting HPV. It's like <laughs> you, you get it from close contact with somebody else who has it, because that's yeah. the only way. Yeah, you, you literally, you, you literally, because I, I, when I, I, you'd, I'd see Chris Rock, I'd see Dane Cook, I saw Dane Cook live in a, in a, you know, five thousand people, and you go, I can't do that. And he gets a lot of shit, but he, he can master a, a room of dozens of thousands of people. But then you see an open mic and you go, I can do that. And then that's how you yeah. can your gateway. You see, you, you, you get close to this guy who does comedy. You go, I can do that. So so uh, where do you where do you go from there? Did you just decide to start getting up on stage? I just started going to open mics. And I, I don't know. I never really considered myself a comedian. I just thought it was something. It was like a hobby. It was something I was doing for fun. It was self-expression and that sort of thing. And I was really dead set on writing at the time. I really wanted to write a screenplay. And so like I... I don't know. I wrote the first draft to this screen play and just put it down and never picked it back up again. And then so then I kind of got serious about stand up comedy because I just didn't want to have to write the second draft of the screenplay. <laughs> well, and then to give you a lot of credit, when you you were on, I think it was before we actually I really met but, uh, Joe. I started doing the Mimosa stand up show and Joe asked for me to have you on. Yeah. And I, I, I'd seen you at comedy, but then we never really talked right. before. And I was like, OK. And then you had a great set. And then like a month later, Michelle Zuzu, our friend who came to the show, was like, are you going to have caroline on again can you oh. and then I, I know she came up to you at that show because you were yeah. there at the fourth wall and i was like wow because it's w- what you do on stage is funny to me but i'm not 
like I'm not your maybe your core audience. Like, like oh laugh. Yeah. You know, they're it's funny and really interesting. But the fact that you have you have people that see you that are that are women that are oh my gosh, like she's saying things I don't hear as often. It's a real powerful thing. I was like, wow, she's you're really onto something. It's it's good that you're doing comedy. Thank you. Yeah, well I, I it is really moving getting responses from women. Like yeah. women coming up to me like I love how honest you are. Like, I love how raw you are. Like, I, lo- I like I would never say what you say and that sort of thing. And it's just like, you know, I, I haven't and, you know, doing my vlogs and stuff like I do vlogs about stripping, sexual assault and abuse and that sort of thing. And I'll get responses from people like I, even from men, you know, like I was like this guy like responded and he was just like, I was raised in a cult and I was abused and stuff like that. And so it's like you're connecting with like all of these people that are just like, you know, I don't have anything really in common with somebody who was raised in a cult. That wasn't how I was raised, but somebody like, you know, this person was abused and I was abused and we can connect and we can talk. Turns out you do have something in common. It's amazing. I never really was that into comedy. It's like, sure, you hear a funny joke and you laugh. It's exciting. But I think that I wasn't into it because all the famous comedians were male comedians. Yeah. And I didn't have anything in common. And it's been so interesting as like more women come into comedy that, I mean, I can cry laughing watching a set from a woman and I just I don't have that response when it's a guy on stage talking about I don't know whatever I'll I'll say that I I like when women are in the audience because I can talk to them about like things that they do that I've been so specific at acknowledging so when when, when I'm doing an open mic and it's all dudes I'm like you're not gonna get you're not gonna get me unless you're like in relationships and a lot of comics aren't I'm like you're not gonna get my issue with the shit that goes on in a bathtub when you date a woman with all the you know whatever whatever like I want to get in the nitty gritty like so it's nice it's it's nice to like there must be i mean that's why i think your your comedy is interesting to me because it is interesting to hear somebody joke around about what goes on maybe in the green room of a strip club like i know you've you've talked about um some some kind of crazy girls that you've worked with or whatever and it's like i and i'm and i'm watching i'm like i don't even think she knows how funny and interesting this is because with comedy you kind of look to see where the laugh points are like where's the beat and sometimes the whole situation is so absurd it changes like the punchline is just the fact that you're talking about some like stripper who got killed or whatever you know like (laughs) didn't you have some story about some stripper getting uh leaving uh getting killed or something after after the strip club or something i don't know there's something no i think i I told a story about a stripper's pimp getting killed (laughs) and how she was really upset about her pimp getting killed and so like and it was just you know, she, you know, cause she loved him, you know, he was her pimp, you know, <laughs> like, oh my God. And, so, and so my response to it was just like, Oh no, that's what it was. That's too bad. <laughs> I'm so sorry for you. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just, I think my joke was the punchline was like, Oh, so the bad news is a pimp who sells women and is violent and sells drugs got, was shot and killed. But the good news is, you know, on the other hand, <laughs> yeah, wow. that's a joke. Yeah. The, the punchline was definitely the way you go. Oh no! <laughs> if you just said "Oh no," it wouldn't be as funny. But you go "Oh no!" Like, that's that's literally the the, uh, the 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 composition of comedy is just like "Oh no" versus "Oh no." A man oh, no. who wreaks havoc on society, enslaving women, you know. But there must killed. be a gray. That's... There must be a gray area between people who do stripping and then also people because, like Chris Rock's whole bit, there's no sex in the champagne room. But there are places where like guys can get blown and stuff. Oh, right? there's I mean, sex in the champagne room. Yeah. Like I mean, I've. I've walked in on girls having sex, like in. How does yeah. how does how that much even, does that cost? Well, like I <laughs> join the Patreon. <laughs> no, I I remember. Well, here's the thing. Like, there's 
there's a lot of guys who want that, you know, and so and it gets to a point where it's like, I'm ending dances now, unless you do X, Y, and Z. And so I don't do that. But I know this girl and this girl and this girl who are totally down, they're total sex addicts, they love sex, and they want to make $1,000, they'll do it. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not going to, but do you want my friend? Yeah. And so a lot of the times, actually, they'll just pay for both of you to be there. So I've actually, I've witnessed sex acts. You know what I mean? And I've watched sex acts. You know what I mean? For a lot of, you know, to, I, I'm paid money to be there and stuff. But it's like. And are guys generally respectful of your boundaries? Yeah, right? Because there's consequences. Uh, not a whole hell of a lot. I mean, it becomes I, a he said, she said at that point, which is not they, favorable. Well, the thing is, is that there's a lot of illegal activity that goes on in the VIP rooms, like drugs and prostitution and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, and, and, and so like they, so they just got rid of the problem by removing the cameras from the VIPs. Okay. And it's, it's just, um, it's so hard for me to, to discuss. I mean, I, I, I mean, this is a comedy podcast, you know, but it's just like, I mean, I, I was raped in a VIP once and it was, sorry to hear that. Oh, yeah. it was, um, so it, it was like rape with a form object. He used his hands. Luckily it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like he pulled his pants down and, you know, raped me that way. But, um, but, uh, basically this, just this guy was just really fucked up on drugs. He was really drunk and, um, and I wasn't being smart. I wasn't being safe. And I just thought everything was going to be fine. And he just threw me down and I screamed and help didn't get there on time. And the guy was a regular. The guy spends a lot of money. He spent a lot of money on me that night that I didn't want to have to give up. You know, if I called the police, you know, that yeah. we're risking losing that money. And, um, yeah, you're not protected. You're not protected right. by the the house. The no, and so what the managers did was that they didn't cash me out that night. They let me keep everything. So I, so it was like I was kind of paid off for my silence, and um, I I still called the police. I still filed a police report and stuff, but I didn't say. I it was just I was so scared about losing my job. Yeah, you know, and and it really um. The, uh, the other day there was actually a former strip club owner at an open mic doing stand-up comedy and he's not very good but like he was talking about you know like the he, stuff that goes yeah. on and so he was doing a joke that actually really like i wanted to punch this guy in the face like he was like all of the girls complain about guys trying to stick their thumbs up their butt and it's like and then i heckled this guy i was like did you call the police you didn't call the police, did you? And it's just like, and he's like, no, we don't want that. And it's like, of course you don't want that. You don't want your club associated with crime yeah. and getting checked so in on the police. So you're expendable. Yeah, exactly. That's when the heckling is good because you're reconfiguring what he thinks he's allowed to say on stage. And well, that's when it. That's well, when it's like... Or just what's acceptable and what's not. A guy who's never had somebody try and stick a thumb up their ass is not going to yeah. be... Yeah, you better rethink that joke and, and do it in a way where you're not either like victim blaming or what, right? I mean, right. yeah, that's got to be... That's got to be crazy. That, but that it's he's, just, but that at open mics when you get new to comedy, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not taking his side. You mm -hmm. just you've hopefully steered his joke into a new direction. Some people are just some people are just going to keep on doing it, but he will have another incident at a comedy club, and he will not be the one who looks like he's on the right side. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what kind of you learn with comedy. Like he is it? Boop! Oh, I hit the wrong note. It's like yeah, you did. That's the wrong note. That's right. not how it goes. But at the same time, like 
I, for example, like I, a lot of issues that I have at open mics is that like some, I, I'll go up and I'll do my set and then somebody will go up on after me and start asking me questions about stripping and stuff to, and it's like, and so it's, I had to cut that off and I, it's like, I don't do that anymore because you're not going to have a stripper implant at any show that you're going to go into. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, why do you need me to build material off of, you know? And so, and I, because I am so open about it, people j- will just kind of assume that I'm going to be open about it with them, yeah. you know? And it's your so, right to choose right, where you want to have those discussions. Yeah, exactly. And so they'll have, try and have a conversation with me while they're on stage in an open mic and I'm in the audience. And this one time, this guy full on asked me, so when you're at a strip club, do you let them touch your pussy? Like, and it was just like, holy shit, dude, fuck off. Like, yeah. it, it was just, it was so inappropriate. And yeah. it's like, because he's a comic and because comedy is free speech, which is fine. But it's like, I don't have to respond to that. I don't have to be happy with you. I, I can tell you to sh- sh- shut the fuck and up. That's, I did. Yeah. You can kind of expect an audience member to talk. The, the problem that happens with stand up is that you your job is to come off conversational and your job is yeah. to come off like you're one of them. So then audience members think that like, oh, I can talk to you the way, oh, you you wore a short dress on stage and you talked about wanting to get laid. I guess I can fuck you. Right. That's a problem that you have. But as a as a comedian, that guy should understand like, well, you ju- th- that's her act. You don't get to talk to her because because she talked about that in her act. Right. And that's unfortunately hard for people to understand sometimes. Well, you know, I mean, well, the like uh, the Louis C.K. situation, you know, the a lot of the women that he, you know, were that that came forward and accused him of, of sexual misconduct, you know, a lot of their material and a lot of their act was very sex, boobies, titties, pussy, you know what I mean? Very, very sexual. And um you know, I know like a mutual friend of ours, you know, who is, you know, is an accuser of Louis C.K. She, you know, her writing was super sexual and she wrote very detailed, like, you know, memoirs about her sexual experiences, which Louis C.K. was a fan of. And that's why he connected with her. And so it was like, so she she's being punished because she wrote about sex. Yeah. And she's being a, she's being targeted because she wrote about sex. And it's like and so it's like. It, you don't really realize it going into comedy that like you're you're an open book and people are going to say whatever the fuck they want to you. And and, you know, and, and that's it's interesting that he couldn't distinguish between like an act and someone as a person. Of course. That's what yeah, it's yeah. Ve- that's very interesting. I was saying the same thing, whereas because Lucy K wasn't guilty of sexual assault or he was guilty of asking people if he could jerk off in front of them. And what he was really guilty of is not reading the room, not understanding that sure. you shouldn't be doing that. And that's not that's not right. It's not right what he did no. at all. And you think that someone who's got 30, 25 years of stand up experience can read the room. Sure. But that's the problem that we're, that we're talking about is that men, I can only speak for men. I don't know about women, but it's very hard to read the room and it doesn't make it right. But we have to do, we have to be heightened and more aware of that. So we don't start lunging at women as they're trying to serve us, you know, a coffee at breakfast. Sure. That's on us. And hopefully, um, on behalf of comics in Los Angeles, we can do a better job of realizing don't schmooze the girl who talked about being a stripper afterwards because you don't have the right because she was working on her joke about being a stripper. Sure. That's, that's kind of hopefully the message that like guys can sort of understand and hopefully are beginning to, I mean, it's funny cause you got into stand up right during the, the height of the me too movement. So, I mean, I don't know if you have anything to compare it with, but is it easier at shows versus mics where like, cause at mics, everyone thinks that they're your peers, you know? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, at mics, I, I did have an issue with getting hit on a lot. People DMing me a lot and that sort of thing. For sure. And it was sort of, and it got a little frustrating, like 
And, you know, and I actually just went to Joe and I just I actually just asked Joe for advice. And I was just like, Joe, I'm getting a lot of attention from like five different comics who really aren't leaving me alone. And and I don't really know what to do. And then he just rolled his eyes, was just like, give it three months and it'll stop happening. And it's like as people realized I was serious, this wasn't just a hobby. This was just this was me. You know, I'm here for me. I'm here to work on my craft and that sort of thing. People started respecting me. And um, and the DM stopped happening and stuff. And it was and it would be nice if they would respect you up front. But also, that's interesting that that you sort of uh, were initiated into the crew, and maybe that whittled down. I don't know. I don't have a right <laughs> solution for that. What do you think, Natasha? I don't know. Guys, just like they're always looking for an opportunity. Because she's got to deal with it with <laughs> the photographer. I mean, now that sure. we're engaged, I think it might go down a little bit. But like, still, you know, when we start started dating and people probably didn't know we were like serious. I'm sure you got hit on all the time by guys, and it's just one of those things where. It's, I'm not making an excuse for it, but it is in our DNA to try to get laid. <laughs> Absolutely. To just put our dick into new vaginas. Yeah, That's what it is. you gotta understand that women everywhere are just rolling their eyes at all of the like, come on. For sure. But guys are getting laid. So it's interesting because... At point zero I feel like when guys time. say that, it's in our DNA. It's, well, it's in our DNA to hunt buffalo with bow and arrows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we've moved on. Well, you, you choose know, the like, penis. That's the thing. Like, you choose the penis. Not, the penis kind of goes in all directions. That's why, that's why it's like a, a woman can procreate like once a year, whereas a guy could have 10,000 kids, a, I mean, a day. You know what I mean? We are just unlimited ammunition. I mean, it's not right, but it's like Genghis Khan had like, the whole how everyone's got DNA of is it, am I saying the right con Genghis Khan? Uh-huh. Everyone's got his DNA because he raped and pillaged everyone. It's almost like we're living in a in an enlightened or a more enlightened society with these primitive urges, and it's a, sure. about guys. But I'm not saying it's right. The DNA that makes you want to fuck everybody is also the DNA that like would smash babies' heads in with rocks. You know what I mean? Genghis Khan did that, so yeah. it's like it's. You know, it's maybe not just because it's in our DNA. Doesn't mean it should be acceptable. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I, don't condone exactly. that I, I agree, but yeah. I think it's better to acknowledge the reptilian part of your brain that like if someone spooks you, you'll fucking elbow them because it's like your, your skittish cat sure. way of surviving. That's important to recognize. But also when we talked about how you react to things, it's important to go, we live in a world where like you can't do that. That's illegal. You can't do that. But if you think things. about it, like women... Like sort of temper their response and have for a long time, and it gets them killed because they like just want to be somebody's being creepy in the parking lot, and they just yeah. want to be nice, and they're ignoring their red flags because we've been taught that that's what we should do. So it's like, like guys can't be taught that that's what they should do. Yeah, like sure. we can definitely learn to control. Well, but like, it's, it's like like you said, it's like a lot of like Harvey Weinstein's um, accusers maintain friendships with him afterwards, and it doesn't right. mean that they weren't any less victims. It means like they were trying to survive sure and you can't judge how people are trying to survive sometimes it might take years to even acknowledge what happened to you did you i mean and i'm uh, i don't don't mean to to pry but like did you did you have an instant reaction to that champagne room situation or did it or like was it like you were like oh my like in height was it more of a hindsight thing that you were like this was not right um no no it was it was horrifying when it happened it was really horrifying and I just sat in the dressing room crying like over the rest of the night and it was just um it was really awful um I I guess I I was sexually assaulted by a fellow comic and unfortunately like being a stripper and having the stigma of being a stripper and that sort of thing you tend to get targeted like a little a lot more people see you as as kind of weak prey and being a victim and that sort of thing and and at the time of this sexual assault I was in a really bad place I was severely depressed I was um, I 
I kind of like uh, I I don't know. I just I have like a lot of experiences with sexual assault and rape and that sort of thing that I you know and then my vlogs go into that quite a bit. You know, I, I I've had more experiences in this area than the average person, and um, or the average woman, and um, and so I was sexually assaulted by a fellow comic who I had known for a year, and um, he did this after he came onto my podcast to talk about me me too subjects. And, um, so it's, it's, and then after that happened, I, I was like, well, we're still, we're, we're, we're still friends, you know, and he made a mistake and, you know, I tried working it out in my mind, you know, you know, how, how to feel about this mm-hmm. in a way that made me happy because and a way that made me feel better. There's no know? right response. <sighs> no. You, any response is going to be your own personal way of processing response. Yeah. There's no right and wrong. And it gets tricky in like court situation. I mean, they just had a girl who was testifying against Weinstein the other the day. Because the court's got to ask these and questions. And the defense, you know, is, is making everything seem accusatory. Did you tell you didn't anybody? do that. You didn't Did do you that. Get a rape you didn't kit? do that. Yeah. There's no such thing as the right way. It's no, everybody's no, own way of processing. Because the problem problem is like if you are raped or sexually assaulted the first thing you want to do is you want to get into a shower you want to feel better you yeah. know and, you, and a shower is you know makes me feel clean it makes you that the you know the dirty feelings you know it helps the dirty feelings it's an like, alone space yeah it's a safe space well, like and so enclosed. when you're discombobulated from having experienced being raped you're not really thinking clearly and i i don't know i had i i wish there was some sort of rape whistle app that i feel like they can come up with now that like some you that can connect somebody who's just been sexually assaulted, just been raped with like some sort of counselor or some sort of person. That's a great yeah. idea. Because and also a timestamp, uh, the evidence. Exactly. You, you take a selfie exactly. video. Time step by step. Because somebody most to guide women, through yeah. you what you should do if you want to make a report out of yeah. this. And you might decide not you to make a report. Right. right. But you now. can at least. But, but yeah, yeah, a counselor, somebody to talk That's to. That's a great idea. You got to get up with Silicon Valley about that. That's a really I know. good idea. And because like the thing is, most women, they don't go to the cops right away. After my sexual assault, it took me I think two weeks before I called the police and reported it and um and it it, it, it took a lot of like I was crying I was stressed out I was like what are people going to think about me what if he tells people I'm lying yeah you go you back know? and forth yeah and it was just um he he's you know he opens for a really big comic and stuff and so it's like he's not like famous and stuff but like I see him you know on like when I'm doing like you know Instagram stories like I see him on Instagram stories at the improv or laugh factory and stuff and, you know, and it's just um, he did this horrible, horrible thing to me and he's done other horrible things to other women and um, including somebody's girlfriend that we both know. Jeez. And and I know he's like he um, and then this other girl I was talking to, she um, she said that he was like nagging her in her DMs. So he was like texting her like it was he was harassing her and like with these really abusive messages where it was like, you know, everyone says that you're fat and ugly, but I would still fuck you. Everyone Yikes. says you're an unfunny whore, but I still think you're really hot. You know, just like like nagging her and being like, it, what the hell? I know. So this guy is now like kind of secretly known by women in the community as this. Every time I mentioned his name, it's like, oh, yeah, I've known he he I heard he's a groper now. But now so so he's getting a reputation, but it's just but it takes people speaking out and coming forward for that sort of thing to happen. That's a question, right? The obligation like you don't have the obligation to speak out because you it's how you want to deal with it. But 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 then if you do, you might prevent it happening in the future. You know, there must be some sort of like a dilemma there. Well, I mean, I. I thought about doing a boost squad and I was serious. I, I spoke to close friends about 
carrying this out because I um I went to a high school graduation when I was 14 and one of the people graduating um like had raped a girl on a school trip or something and got away with it and so when he went on stage to accept his diploma, there was like an entire section of this girl's friends and family that there booed? that booed him. Wow. And it's just like, and, um, and so I, I always remembered that it was very shocking when that mm-hmm. happened. You know what I mean? And like, I mean, I, I don't feel sorry for, you know, somebody who probably raped somebody, you know, but like, but the, how humiliating, you know, yeah. to be on the stage, you know, and to be booed for, for doing something like well, that. Well, it's interesting because I think that society wants there to be consequences for poor behavior. And I, I read something, This is, uh, it's sort of related, but not. I, I saw something, I, it must have been a video um, about how some African nation, and I don't know which one, but this tribal nation, um, how they respond to people who make a mistake in their community. Somebody does something bad and literally they put them in a cent- in the center of a circle and like the whole village comes around them and screams at them and shouts at them. And, and uh, you know, they're surrounded by people who are hurling insults and telling them what a horrible thing they did. And then- Because the being person, ostracized is the greatest punishment. Exactly. It's like to in- yeah. induce shame and when it's over it's over yeah and then the community forgives them and they give them a hug and then they move on but but because the person has had this experience of shame it it allows them like i don't know it does some sort of like reset in your body that like triggers like oh i am not going to do this bad thing again because this bad thing has consequences and my whole village it's has a, ostracized me and and proven how much they can hate me so now i've been forgiven and i have a clean slate and i'm gonna do better it's like vigilante justice it's a powerful thing and it's right and in in, in in situations where you know someone's done wrong it's right they're just the pendulum can swing in directions that it's not you know what I mean? Like it's, it can become dangerous when you take things in your own hands, but when you go through a system that doesn't work, you're left to no other choices sometimes. So it's important when you go through a system that literally just isn't like it's very archaic, the whole like reporting a rape. It's very archaic the way, yeah. the way that defend that, that in the, in being cross-examined that they, they talk to people in a certain way and it's not made in a more delicate situation and it needs to be a, a, a addressed. And I think, I think society is starting to, but it's, we're like, we're, we're, we're right in the thick well, of it. Until there are like real consequences for actions and, and people are held accountable in this sort of situation. I mean, still like Harvey Weinstein's not really held accountable. Like he's going to go to jail. Maybe. I don't know. It'll, I don't know what's going to happen. Now. It's but gonna he's work. like actually, uh, well he has got so many accusers and like yeah. like a bill cosby but it, it's interesting that oh i i totally lost my train of thought well, until until we have a, a society that's better set up to help protect victims and to get true justice there's gonna be blacklists you know girls are gonna share within a community oh this person's shady this person's shady yeah. I, there's like blacklist of like don't work with this photographer don't work with this agent yeah because the girls have to help protect each other and sometimes and- it's based on non uh, you know not committing crimes but just an overall shadiness of like you know it's not a crime to talk shit to somebody in their dms but it's in it's we have a standard that we well, set in the common world right but we have a standard reset where we go now we're not going to fuck with that person if we know that there are there are yeah. someone who does that but at the same time like it's just it's so hard for me like this guy is just he's on a mission to be damaging to women and um i mean there's there's this other situation from another girl i spoke to where he he met her at a show and he met her boyfriend 
And then he invited her out to just like meet him for a drink. And he's sort of an established comic and he opens for a really big name. So it's like, you know, so this girl who's sort of an ingenue, like new to comedy and that sort of thing, she, you know, of course would want this connection. And that's how I met this guy. And that's how I became friends with this guy. And you think like and, if somebody's met your boyfriend, then you're yeah, safe from like exactly. that, that person has that has enough respect for you, for has sure. enough respect so for your partner that this girl like it's was not under the be assumption. Shady. Yeah, she was under the assumption that was completely platonic. And then he started like, you know, touching her hand and she like, what are you doing? And he's just like, we're meeting for a drink what's your problem and it was and and he was confrontational with her and it's just like he he's a sociopath that hates women and he needs to be stopped and i just and i'm not the one to stop him it feels like unless i would go forward and do this boo squad which would ruin my career like which i don't think it would but i think you're right that that you need to kind of um just have heightened senses of awareness and like let let people know and then make sure and again, it's like, to, is just, it something that like, I just um, name him and I tell women to not be alone with him. I tell all, yeah. every female comic that I talk to about this, don't be alone with this guy. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I made that mistake of just being alone with him, you know, and, and I, I, and if that had never happened, it would have never happened, you know, and I would have been a lot better off because I quit comedy, I think for almost a year you know like almost a year that I because I, I was just getting kind of started with comedy I was like four months in when this happened I think and, and then it's really discouraging yeah oh it was so discouraging and um you know and then it also happened I mean I I, I feel like when I talk about like how many times I've been raped it's like kind of funny you know what I mean because it's just like it's happened so, to me so often that it's just like it's like almost like it's like, come on. Like, why am I always getting raped? It's complicated. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And, but and, um, you, you had mentioned but, that we, we're a comedy podcast and we, and we, we, it's, we, 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 we joke around the, the yeah. delicacies of relationships, whether it's with your family or dating or what. Sure. But just so you know, like we, we do appreciate you talking openly sure. about this because it is more about just being funny in comedy. It's about the world that, that, that we're sure. kind of living in. You know, so like we appreciate you, you know, sharing your stories and of course. And, you know, honestly, like if I if I weren't over these things and I hadn't processed these things, I wouldn't be able to talk about them openly. So I I, I just I worry that people worry about me or I worry that people like think I'm not okay or think I'm and and I'm it's you know, and I'm I'm okay. You know what I mean? These things happen and I process them and they're really hard. I still have PTSD. I still have depression. I still have, you know, these issues that I have to work through, you know, because of these situations and stuff. But I mean, at the same time, like I have a I have a chance to be a rock for a lot of people, you know, and into like with your honesty. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like uh, this is what I'm thinking and feeling because of these situations, you know, and by I mean? expressing just, yourself, you're like yeah. deburdening. And I think that's yeah. a really good thing for you to do. We do. We do have to get out of here. Um, but sure. you come back anytime. I know we only cracked the surface here. We'd love to. No, we yeah, love it when we great. bring on a new guest and then have them back a bunch of times. And we'll have to get you back on the Mimosa stand up show. I wanted to promote. How can people find you? I know I, I, our audience. I want them to support you. Oh, of course. It's a uh, Caroline underscore Lydia underscore Rose on Instagram. Great. And then the Caroline Georges for my YouTube page for my vlog. And um, oh, we didn't have we didn't have time to get into Britney Spears. I wanted to talk about oh, Britney Spears with you. I, I, let me I could break it down for you guys. So basically, like with Britney Spears, she's in a conservative ship. I can't even say the word. I know Conser- your, your, your Instagram story was so funny. You couldn't say it like 15 well, times. and I still can't say it. Conservatorship. I was reading Sorry. about it all day yesterday. And so it's like I'm really conflicted about the situation because it's like she's been in a conservatorship for 12 years under her father yeah. and a lawyer. 
And her father makes $250,000 every year that he's her conservator. And the, then the lawyer that manages her money is making like $500,000 a year. And they and, like tell her like what she's allowed to eat. Right. This Medicaid, is what I Medicaid. heard. They, it's, they completely control like her whole life. What really bothers me about it. And I, I take a medication, you know what I mean? To treat like, you know, depression. So it's like, I'm not against medications, but I could not imagine being a 37 year old woman and being forced to be on medication now, by your own family. Now, is this like court ordered? Yes. Does, does she have any options for getting out of this? Um. Well, according to like, apparently she's like, she doesn't have a, an opinion either way because the, they're investigating the conservatorship because she, she's 37 and she's been on it for 12 years and she has a lot of money that two people are financially benefiting from. So it's like th- this kind of these court cases are happening because it's just unusual. It's really unusual. Conservatorships, like say you had it's like a, a grandparent that went off the rails and ended up homeless on the street. Had a little can, bit of a breakdown. Yeah, it's there yeah. to protect people. It's there to protect very vulnerable, vulnerable people, which Britney Spears for sure was in 2007. She was being like taken advantage of by friends. She was being like money was being stolen from her. She was being given drugs. Like, I mean, so she was and she was also extremely bipolar. So, I mean, I and she was also like, you know, her kids were being taken away. Like her life was falling mm-hmm. apart. Right. This and was so, like when she shaved her head. Yeah, and she was exact- dating that like real grimy yeah, dude. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Which- I met her dad and her sister in an elevator once. Really? Yeah, at a radio station. Yeah. But anyway, that has nothing to do with the story. Oh. But we, but uh, yeah, they, so it's, it's, it was interesting to see your passion because it is a, it is an interesting like one of the biggest pop stars of all time and she's in this situation it's like is she going to be on this for the rest of her life because i would think the point of a conservative ship would be to like help her get to a place where she's independent Back on her feet and she mm-hmm. doesn't need that anymore mm-hmm. but so folks here's what you need to do you need to go to caroline's instagram for all <laughs> britney spears updates because i think she's on you're, you're on top of the court dates that all that so i think you should be an official news correspondent just for britney spears i think that's a great idea um so so yeah everyone go follow your your youtube your instagram and do you have anything else you want to promote um no just my youtube and my instagram that'd be great thanks yeah. so much and again i think what you're doing is great and just keep keep speaking your truth and um fuck fuck all the other people that, that <laughs> you know you're just gonna rise right to the top tasha anything you need to promote your tiktok uh, my tiktok hell yeah tasha underscore courtney come check it out come I, leave me some comments i just joined tiktok too and i got 2200 views on one of my tiktoks Woo! is wow. it a tick or a talk anyways that deniels oh the z uh, are you on tiktok i do not have a tiktok you do great it's, on it you should do tiktok so just fun. britney spears updates britney seriously spears you get on tiktok TikTok, it's easy to start getting views on there and you can link it to your Instagram and your YouTube. So it's really easy to do. And the fact that you can link it to your YouTube and your Instagram was the thing that sold it for me because I was like, well, if some shit goes viral, people can find me in another way. But I think I think people would like really like your vibe and all that. So I, oh, okay. I think you should Maybe do I it. will start a TikTok. So anyway, we're just free Britney TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for doing the podcast. Come back anytime. Everybody, that was the sap. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope you loved that chat. As always, don't forget to leave us a nice review. Subscribe if you're not already. That helps us on the iTunes algorithm. And of course, if you're interested in listening to more content, come get all the sexy episodes. Uh, they're all on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash the sap. Patreon.com slash T-H-E 
SAP. And over there, I can I do these solo episodes where I play music that I don't have to worry of. You know, I have to worry if it's licensed or not. Can't play music on this thing. Just this is just old school AM radio over here. But on the on the Patreon, it's just a jam. It's just wild. So I appreciate all of you listeners that um, have stuck around even to this point of the podcast. And uh, we really we really do appreciate you. So if if the Patreon's not for you, hey, go check it out. Go check it out. There's some free content on there. And if it's not for you, don't forget just share us with some friends. That helps us keep the thing going. Because I tell you what, if we didn't have folks listening, we wouldn't be doing this. So you guys are the democracy of the SAP audience. You're out there. You you choose how hard we go at this, and we appreciate all of your loyal support. Bye, everybody. Bye.